Blog Talk Radio. Whatever he hears. He will speak. He will disclose. What is to come? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to WI2C Radio. Revelation, the book of Asaph, the apocalypse of Isaiah, it's all coming true. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. We are your hosts, Brian Ingram and Matthew Miller. It is good to be with you once again as we dive deeper into the Revelation. Tonight, chapter 13. And as you're going to quickly come to realize, this is chapter 12, part B. Tonight we're going to have to talk about a lot of things. Uh, This is a loaded chapter. It's probably the most discussed chapter in Revelation quite simply because it has the alphanumerical equation in it, 666. Brian and I have talked about just about every verse in here many, many, many times. But the obvious is in the very first verse. Uh, The Lord your God is wanting to get your attention, and this is the best way to do it. But, uh, Brian, what's your opening comments about Revelation chapter 13? I would say that being outside the church and and dabbling in things you should not have been in, I would say that you probably had already heard of the 666 thing, correct? Well, you've heard of it no matter what. I mean, even the entertainment industry is constantly bringing it up. So uh, it's a little hard to think that most people that have access to modern-day media haven't been exposed to it somehow. Yeah, I I definitely would agree. Um, You and I have talked about the the ten horns. We've talked about the heads many, many, many times. Of course, um, we've talked about the Assyrian, two endless diatribe. Um, We've did so much... So many, I don't know, Brian, would you say we've did at least a hundred recorded hours exclusively on the Assyrian false prophet? Yeah, we touched it nonstop. And over how many different types of broadcast. Um, when the End Time Tribune was ripped down, um, deleted, actually deleted by two different people um, over the course of the diatribe, then we went to What was it? We did Prophetico format for a while. Um, We did WI2C radio. What else did we do? Now, of course, back when we had the End Time Tribune fully running, you had your own show. That was uh, Watching and Waiting. 
So, oh my goodness. I mean, if you added up the actual hours that you and I have put into the two entities revealed in this very chapter, it's it's really mind-boggling, isn't it? Yep, it is. And I mean, you know, let me be Captain Obvious here. Where's that infamous third character they always talk about? I mean, I, I've heard for so many years on end the infamous unholy trinity. Um, folks, you got the beast and you got the false prophet, and that's all you're getting all the way through Revelation. That's right. That's all you're going to get. I mean, there is a third one, actually, and we're going to read about it here in just a little while. But everybody throws this out of the mix. Actually, there is. There is the beast out of the uh, abyss. Here you have the false prophet as another beast. And then you have the image that they make. So really there is three, but people don't have the wherewithal to, well, you just can't go there with most people. They won't even understand what you're talking about. So, Brian, you want to begin reading, or shall I? Because uh, it really matters little to me. Um, I can read, or you can read. I think that I read last time. So if I going... can read. It ain't no biggie. How far do I want to go? Uh, just do the first stanza. Do to verse 11. We'll, we'll talk about them separately. How about that? All right. So read the first ten verses. And he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. And I saw one of the heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon because he gave his authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to wage war with him? And there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and authority to act for 42 months was given to him. And he opened his mouth and blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority over every tribe, people, and tongue, and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is destined for captivity, to captivity he goes. If anyone kills with the sword... With the sword, he must be killed. Here is the perseverance and the faith of the saints. Well, we might as well discuss that one right from the beginning. Boy, that, uh, this is probably the most hated verse in all the Bible. Uh, verse 10 it is just uh, the most hated. It's the most rejected. Um, and I don't need to discuss why. Uh, Brian already mentioned the entertainment industry. Enough being said with that. But here it's in your face. And this is, of course, the dire illusion uh, to, well, the rod of iron, as you learn all about uh, them in Revelation chapter 7 and Revelation chapter 20. 
Uh, make no mistakes about it. Once they are sealed by God, they cannot take uh, the seal that we haven't gotten to yet. But let's let the rubber hit the road, ladies and gentlemen. You should know this phrase, sand of the seashore. If you don't remember our last broadcast, you're going to catch another phrase there that you should immediately know what is being assaulted here. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. That phrase in Greek, stars of heaven. And this phrase that we just read, it comes only from one place, the parent prophecy. This is a direct assault against the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. Now, <clears throat> you have to realize that this is the whole purpose of the book of Revelation anyway, is the facilitation of the children of the promise. Now, if you're not familiar with the parent prophecy, you need to realize that all prophecy in the Bible is parenthetical via Genesis chapter 22. This is why there's even such a thing as Christianity. We are all, if we are... Uh, well, how do I put that? Right with the Lord, we are children of the promise. The other children are, of course, the children of the disobedience. So, ladies and gentlemen, as soon as it said this, you should have realized what was enacted. The dragon first assaults the stars of heaven. He then assaults the sand of the seashore. The stars he assaults with his tail and the sand of the seashore gets stamped on by his feet. So with that in mind, that's going to trigger, it's going to open up a whole new world to you. A whole new world. Now, if you need background on that rod of iron, you need to really consult Ezekiel chapter 37. And it just so happens that this very day, I completed one of my Axiom pages on accordingtothescripture.wordpress.com. Go there and looked up Sanctus Supplementium. And you can learn all about the rod of iron, the promise being fulfilled. This numbering system is why these two entities have to be numbered in the book of Revelation. One is numbered in chapter 7 and one is numbered in chapter 14. So, just me saying that, everybody's going to have to step back. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably need to go to that page that I made today. And you probably need to send either myself or Brian some questions. Now, you're probably already frustrated at us mentioning the entertainment industry. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is real. And you need to understand this is all based around the new advent of the NIV Bible. You need to understand that this is what happened to you. You were given this 666 scenario and the Antichrist via the movies The Omen. In The Omen movies, Damien's mother was a jackal. That was done because the old translations used dragon. The NIV uses the word 
jackal instead. So believe me when I say when you really take a look at this, you have virtually been entertained to death. So just do that for yourself in the Greek. You can find all kinds of online resources. Search those two phrases, the stars of heaven and sand on the seashore. You're going to run straight into, well, the event horizon for your faith. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're at, what your gender is, or your nationality. The parent prophecy is the reason why all prophecy has ever been given. Now, Brian and I also, tied up in this, we like to call this the evolution of, well, Revelation. And in doing so, uh, it is the advent of Eve. That's what God wanted. That's what the bride facilitates. He wants to go back to the garden. He really is going to come back here after the thousand-year reign of Christ and reestablish what it was he always wanted. He wants to uh, commune with us on a daily basis, he himself. So this is the answer to all prophecies that you've read in the Bible. They directly pertain to the parent prophecy, the numbering of the children of the promise by way of the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore. And it's so obvious here, and you're just going to be stumped when you try to find online commentaries that agree with what Brian and I just said. You're not going to find it. They don't have the wherewithal to tell you that, because if they do, well, they're going to have to point out to you verse 10. It's kind of stuck there. And the entire book of Revelation don't work without Revelation chapter 13, verse 10. So, with that in mind, uh, let's talk about this, this simple fact that you were just revealed to you as to why the dragon does not, and I repeat, he does not go to hell. He does not go to hell, ladies and gentlemen. This is why. He gives his authority, he hands it over, and then puts his hands behind his back. From that point forward, he's done nothing wrong. The beast that comes up, ladies and gentlemen, that's why he and his false prophet are, they are thrown into the lake of fire. But for 1,000 years, you need to come to grips with what the Bible just told you. Satan, the devil, is in the abyss all by himself for 1,000 years. That's really what's going to happen. And you were just explained to why. Because he handed his authority over. From that point forward... He was not responsible for anything that was going to happen. Now, you can't get away from the simple fact that, boy, uh, the beast from Daniel are just all over this. It's just all over it. But uh, you'll take note the schemata of time used here. Okay? It's said a different way. It said 42 months. Now, when we go back to the first time uh, this dragon is mentioned uh, there in 
Revelation chapter 12, that's, that's why I said this is really part two. So now you can understand as to why the signs uh, is what started Revelation chapter 12. But now you have to come to a reckoning with the other 144,000 that has been numbered according to the sand of the seashore. So now we're going to get details about what's happening on the ground. Revelation chapter 12, we got the majority of the information about prophetic signs in the heavens. That's why. That's the whole reason why. So when we look there, uh, you'll take note that last time Brian and I uh, talked about this. It says what? What does it say in uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 6? It says 1,260 days. So it says it differently. Now, you'll also take note that it calls this period of time, and this is the third phase of time, ladies and gentlemen. Time has gone topsy-turvy in between these two events, but here it's called times, time, and a half time. It's the same duration, but God used it differently so you would be able to recognize, hey, that's why the rod of iron was mentioned. It's comprised of two sticks. One has the name of Judah, but the second one doesn't have the name you want it to have because it's not Israel. It's Joseph. And until you start doing the hardcore research on that list given in Revelation chapter 7, you're not going to be able to put these things together, so don't even try. But when you write them down, when you write your own notes... And take note, this child had this mother, this, 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 this. You're not going to be understand what, why he's doing this. But once I've showed it to you, get your Bible out after the program and read it. And it's literally going to smack you in the face. So now we have two separate ways that he wanted you to see it. The first chapter concerning the rod of iron mentions the rod of iron and it starts out with signs in the heavens you should know that that's going to the majority of that is going to be about the seed of the promise numbered after the stars now that this chapter started out this way you know he's going to cover the second group and the literal hell they're going to go through but if you want a whole lot more uh, background information on exactly uh, why it is this rod of iron has to be established. You might want to take a listen to the latest Christian conspiracy theory from my son and I. Because there a whole lot is to be revealed and is going to be revealed because we have a part two to do about the fallen's intent and their acts. And that's why of course here we get this image that they set up but literally if it, if I have blown your mind you need to pause and just realize that the only reason why your mind is being blown is because of the entertainment industry it's not Brian and I's fault I mean you should have seen that the stars of heaven that phrase was mentioned in chapter 12 and now this chapter starts out with the sand of the seashore. That's 
all, all we're doing is relaying to you that we didn't do that. That's been there since it was written. It's just nobody told you that. They they didn't want to point that out to you. So uh, having said that, I think I went on a little bit too long. Maybe I was a little bit long in the tooth, but there's so much to explain here because you're wanting Brian and I to to talk about this, this 666, and you're literally salivating over it. When, ladies and gentlemen, that's it's the last thing mentioned in the chapter for a reason. But you should know now why it's there. Because those that have been numbered as the sand on the seashore, they got sealed by God, so they cannot take the mark of the beast. And you know forthright, because of that, they get beheaded. And because of that, they become the kings of the earth. Now, why did I say that? All of this chapter, all of this well, the entire book of Revelation is to explain to you Isaiah chapter 24, verse 21. Now, if you didn't see that coming, like I said, you need to take pause. Just get your Bible out in, in quiet. You know, go somewhere quiet. And just for once in your life, just read it. Just Just read it and take that highlighter. You know what? Read Genesis chapter 22 first, then read these two chapters together, and then all of a sudden it explodes off the page. It makes sense because that's why God wrote it, and I'm sorry a lot of the things that Brian and I say are a shock to your system, but ladies and gentlemen, we're telling you the truth. God did not write the Bible to confuse you. He didn't. He makes himself perfectly plain. It's just that most of the church today has been brought up to not study God's Word. They've been brought up to, well, study everything else like Sunday school papers and books written by men and movies shown at church. Just take you a highlighter, outline those two phrases stars of heaven, the sand of the seashore, and you'll figure it out real quick. So, Brian, uh, I was probably a little long on the tooth, and I'm sorry about that, but a lot to explain because people, you know, become really confused when you try to talk about this and not concentrate on what the entertainment industry has provided them with. Brian, you got the mic. Well, and to point out some... To a degree, review on, you know, just the uh, first couple of verses here. Uh, for one, when you have the seven heads being referred to, you should already know from Daniel 7 that those heads represent angelic princes over regions. Now, we do have a possibility that we could be dealing with the seven continents and the princes over them. We don't really, to a degree have enough information to ascertain if that's indeed the case, but it is a logical conclusion and a probability. And then, you know, taking the ten horns, we also know that that's ten earthly kings. So, and it even gets, you know, it's more filled in when you realize on the horns there's ten crowns, and on his head's the name of blasphemy. Now, when you look at verse 2, you get some interesting information here as well. The leopard, I'm going to leave alone for just a moment. 
the identification of the bear. You know, I know what people are running around and teaching nowadays, and they're trying to make this uh, correlate into modern day symbology, and that's that's not the way things work, folks. The first time around the ride, as Matthew has covered in depth, the bear is Alexander the Great. The lion is Persia. The leopard, I have had strong suspicions that it's Kurdistan because of Erbil in Iraq. Now, if this is indeed the case, this puts all of these on one continent. Now, Kurdistan was actually a powerful empire during the second uh, round of groupings that ruled over the Islamic nations after the first uh, grouping fell apart and the second came to power. They were also one of the major, major caliphates at that point in history. So the Kurdish people at one point did exert a major amount of power over that region. Now, if that's going to happen again here, future tense, time will tell. But for anybody that's paying attention to Iraq and Iran, Syria, and Turkey right now, you know that the Kurds are a continual are coming up on a nonstop basis and will continue to do so as we spiral forward in the way things are going. Um, and I think that's it for the time being and what I wanted to add in. Well, that's a good point you bring up about, um, and we had talked about that before, about uh, possibly seven different continents, but one-third of them is going to get wiped out. Uh, Mundus Novus, you can... You can take it out to lunch because it's not going to stand. Uh, so very interesting proposal you've got there. And, of course, we have uh, the reference. We need to bring this up to uh, the seven-hilled city, which a lot of people don't know. Well, that's Rome is built on seven hills, but so is Constantinople. And if you're going to look at the history of uh, Daniel, you've got to be talking about the health spot. And many people don't realize what that is. That is the that narrow place where Alexander the Great built the bridge to bridge the gap. That's why Constantinople is there. That's the whole point. Uh, so we need to bring that up too, that, that many people reference this as some sort of grandiose capital city um, that perhaps these ten kings – and. Ladies and gentlemen, let's just get this over with right now. You're not going to know who they are. And if you know a name, that guarantees they're at best a lieutenant. At best. Well, let me interject two things here too quickly. Um, also take note that, uh, as he brought up with Constantinople, that city is directly built upon seven hills. Rome is surrounded by seven hills. So you have a little bit of a different geographical play going on here. But taking this further, you know, folks, you need to look into the history of the Byzantine Empire and realize that the Macedonians actually ruled for a fairly decent length of time. And they were one of the most powerful empires during the Byzantine Empire. Um, what was the second point I wanted to bring up? I can't remember. Well... That's enough of that, gent. I mean, we, we had to include it, but uh, just because it hasn't done so yet, you're revealed that, uh, well, 
these ten crowns are in fact ten kings, and they conspire against the entity known as Mystery Babylon. Okay, that was the point that I did want to bring up. Um, now, when you go further into Revelation, when you have it revealed that the first battle of Gog and Magog is going to come up, if you go over and you look at the list that's given in Ezekiel 38 and 39 and count, you're going to realize that there are ten listed there. So it is possible that these are the ten kings, but as Matthew pointed out, we don't necessarily have the kings, as in the royalty, running the show, but, you know, you do need to take note of the fact that all of those regions still do have kings over them. They're just not the front runners because everybody's running with democracies nowadays as opposed to monarchies. Give us the nuts and bolts. Whether you and I like it or not, the book of Revelation is addressed to seven different churches. Can you tell me the physical location of those churches, not only historically, but where they're at in modern times? They're all in modern-day Turkey. So, literally speaking, they're all in the field of vision that was the Assyrians, correct? They're all in the land that – well, his empire – they're all there, correct? Yeah. So that might play a part into this, ladies and gentlemen. What the Lord our God may be doing here is trying to encode to us that the false prophet is in fact answers all the prophecies about the Assyrian. So that might be in play too. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, just look it up. Uh, Use Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, you will quickly come to the understanding that all the churches was in the land in the midst of the rivers. Uh, they were in the territory of the mighty Assyrian. Now, why didn't they mention uh, the church in Jerusalem? And that just stumps everybody. Why not? I mean, there are plenty of church. Well, <laughs> there are plenty of churches mentioned in the New Testament. And yet, not one of them from the Holy Land is mentioned. Only from the land in the midst of the rivers. So, like I said, God could be uh, not... Well, let's let the rubber hit the road, ladies and gentlemen. Those seven churches weren't special, okay? But he had to pick seven. There was a whole lot more churches than that, ladies and gentlemen. Why did he pick those seven? Well, that takes a little bit of history. You need to study those locations, study those cities, and try to figure out why he picked those. Because, well, he shouldn't have. I mean, quite literally, he shouldn't have. Um, you would think he would at least mention the famous church that was associated with the hot springs. Nope. Didn't mention that one. So, and what about all the uh, churches that we've found with these magnificent uh frescoes on the floor and on the walls none of those it was none of those so this really does uh pull into a uh, play let's let's talk about this let me ask you brian about uh verse six and he opened his mouth in blasphemies against god to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle those who dwell in heaven 
What's your thoughts on that verse? Well, the tabernacle in heaven is brought up repeatedly throughout the Bible. Um, stretching out like a tent, uh, so on and so forth. And can you elaborate uh, on this from what you know from the book of Daniel? Because the book of Daniel gives quite a lot of information on him doing this very thing. And uh, the book of Daniel, in the same context, mentions some of the other, well, I don't know how to put it, uh, marvelous things, I guess we should say, that uh, uh, is done in conjunction with this, this verse here. Well, we've got verse uh, out of chapter 11, verse 36, and I don't know why it took it to that translation one moment. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself, magnify himself above every god, and speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished for that which is determined shall be done. And then, obviously, it goes on and we get more information in here. Uh, let me see here. Uh, that's what I'll add for the time being. Now we realize that verse 7, it was also given him to make war with the saints and overcome them, and authority over every tribe, people, and tongue, and nation was given to him. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You finally have... What you've been waiting for, a one world order. And you will take note that the four writers exclusively prevented this very thing from happening. But now it is given to this one. And, well, that's just the way it is. Uh, you were just told, um, well, the dragon handed over his authority and he immediately decides to make a one-world order. Not only that, have a king over the entire planet. So, there you have it. That's when the one-world order is instituted. And by institution, I mean that it's literally rammed down your throat. It's rammed down your throat. You don't have a choice. So, Brian... Uh, any more comments on that section? And if not, I shall read the next section. Well, I think with that said, it's important to point out any of you people fixated on the New World Order and uh, the liberal agenda for globalism and all that. None of that's relevant towards Bible prophecy because none of that's set up until this time has happened. We're not in – it's not after the Great Earthquake as we speak right now because, well, we wouldn't be doing this program, to put it bluntly. But you can get that strange conspiracy garbage out of your minds and not let that influence your thinking anymore. I mean, that's – honestly, that's what's led to a lot of the trouble that the United States has got itself sitting in right now because people are convinced that that's going to be instituted before its time. That is exactly correct, and we might as well talk about this too. If and when there was a third temple on the sixth seal, that puppy comes down. So, we just read, so far, this entire chapter is after he has done what he's promised to do. And I don't, I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have a list off the top of my head. 
But we've already mentioned um, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 21. Uh, so the beast is never going to see, not the beast from the sea or the beast from uh, the earth. No beast is ever going to see a structure, let alone a temple. It's literally all coming down. That's what God himself says. It's coming down. He says that every mountain is going to be made low and every valley is going to be raised up. No foundation, no matter how deep you dig it, is going to survive that event. Just by way of his own mouth, it's just not going to happen. If something does survive the event, well, he'll just bring it down anyway, just because... Well, he is God, and that's what he says is going to happen. So you have to come to grips with that, that this is the unleashing of the beast upon the earth via the assault by the dragon upon those that were just sealed in Revelation chapter 7. And when this happens, there's nothing left standing. They have to start everything from scratch. Now... Jeremiah chapter 8 goes into great detail about what what it's really like when this happens. And of course, that's why these ten kings were mentioned. You'll take note it's not the dragon that picks them. So, with that in mind, Revelation chapter 13 and verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to breathe into the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause as many as do not worship the image of the beast, to be killed. And he causes all, the small, the great, the rich, the poor, the free men, and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who hath understanding calculate the number of the beast, for the number is that of a man, and his number is 666. Brian? Well, which one do I start here with? Uh, start at that first verse, verse 11. We talked about Alexander the Great's uh, helmet that had the uh, two horns that had the appearance of a lamb, which is a uh, dead ringer considering it's Daniel 
chapter 8 that gives us an indication that the false prophet's going to have extreme similarities with Alexander the Great's kingdom and after it broke up. So that there is sort of to a degree simple. And this one I'm going to leave alone for the time being. And then the image of the beast. I think I'll just stop before I say too much on that one. Well, getting back to Alexander, ladies and gentlemen, this is common historical knowledge that there were twin statues outside of where it was that Alexander was trained, where he learned mathematics, reading and writing. The three R's, actually, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Those two twin great statues was not of a man, it was of a bear. They were twin bears that was, well, chimeras for all intents and purposes. You can even look up their names if you wish to do so. But Brian is quite correct. We not only have it in drawings, we have it in statues. The simple fact that uh, Alexander used a helmet with two horns, no doubt about it. Now, what is important here, why this is mentioned is, is because you have to realize that, well, he is not the Lamb. Now, let's talk about the Lamb. It's very important that we cover those those verses in the book of Revelation. That's why this is being mentioned here, letting you know that this one is actually a man. We have Revelation chapter 5, and, well, this has everything to do with well, you need to know what's going on here, where he's standing, and who's going to be standing with him, because they will be numbered as well. But uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, And I saw between the throne, with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb standing as if it had been slain. Now, this lamb has what? That's right. Seven heads, or seven horns, and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And it just goes on and on. Uh, in that same chapter, verse 8, verse 12, verse 13, um, uh, chapter 6, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seals. Uh, it's in verse 7, uh, 9 and 16. So it goes on and on and on. So this is the first time that we're told well, this particular beast that speaks like a lamb has two horns. So, that should be fresh in your mind. I mean, when it, when it mentions this lamb, you should immediately take notice to the simple fact that, well, this isn't the lamb, but, but, <laughs> this lamb is going to be attempting to do the exact same thing. Whereas the Lamb of God did everything that God said. We know this from the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't have to go to the cross, ladies and gentlemen. He was the Son of God. He could have just obliterated everybody and started from scratch if he did so. Yet he said, what? Not my will, but yours be done. Even to the point where he, well, due to capillary rupturing due to stress he actually sweat drops of blood did in the process of making that decision to do what god wanted instead of what he wanted to do and who on earth would have wanted to have been crucified or sacrificed 
which is exactly what happened. So, so this is all should be magnified in your mind. You should know straight away that this one is a man and the other beast is not. Well, the simple fact that it comes from the abyss should be a real hint and a clue. But you'll take note that um, this is the exact opposite of everything that Jesus said. And everything uh, that went on with that. Boy, we'll have to edit that out. Um, you have to come to grips with this is exactly the polar opposite of everything that Jesus said. Uh, he stood at the door and knocked, uh, fully giving you the choice to open that door should you choose to do so. Jesus never forced anybody to accept him as the Messiah. No one. He never forced anybody. And certainly not Judas. But here you get the exact opposite. It makes this pretty clear. He forces the entire world to worship this beast from the abyss. So, a lot here makes a whole lot that is spoken of by the prophet Daniel make sense. Now, we already know from from Daniel that this beast from the abyss that he worships, the Hebrew, the Greek brings up that it's tied with forces, a god of war, shall we say. And this beast is given full reign for these 42 months. That's comprised of exactly 30-day months. Because this, like I stated before, this is the third set of time. So, this being said, um, boy, we learn a whole lot that... And let's come to grips with what's really going on here. Anyone can enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's make that perfectly clear. Jews, Nazis, yeah, I said Nazis, uh, witches, warlocks, Eskimos, black people, yellow people, red people, white people, fat people, tall people, short people. Skinny people. Christ made himself perfectly clear that all may enter the kingdom of heaven. This one does something completely different. Does something different. The only way that you may live in his kingdom is with this mark with which represents the measure of a man. So... With that in mind, uh, you'll take note that, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you have to understand what is tied in with this worship. It's buying or selling. Now, this one phrase here should let you know that it's really common knowledge on this planet that the new temple is the bank. He doesn't mention food here. He doesn't mention entertainment here. He doesn't mention uh, any type of employment or a job 
He doesn't mention anybody's career. Now, he cuts right to the chase. He says, you will worship the beast. And on top of that, you won't buy or sell. Period. Brian, back to you. Well, and this is a discussion I've seen coming up time and time again lately for some odd reason. Uh, it's most of these people... Uh, Oh, let's just not even go there. But the point is, is I've seen the five foolish and five wise come up time and time again. And folks, don't you comprehend where those five foolish are going to have to buy their oil from? Boy, Brian, you cut right to the chase, didn't you? <laughs> oh, my goodness, you cut right to the chase. Amen. May it be as you've said. But, ladies and gentlemen, you, you have to come to grips with, well, this alphanumerical equation's been given before, it's just that you couldn't see it. And maybe we should uh, talk about that just a little bit. We've already talked about this many times, the first time the big numbers is used. Now, unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, you can't see this in English, and they'll never let you see it. But when you look at the Adito Regia manuscript, which is the manuscript, by the way, if, if you have doubts about which Greek manuscript you should be using, that's it. And literally, the whole planet knows it and has known it for hundreds of years. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an alphameracal equation he gives here. Now, when you look this up in the Strong's, it's going to frustrate you because it says that it's G1540. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's alphanumerics, and it's three letters in Greek. Those three letters stand for 144. Unfortunately, when you look at your Strong's, it's not done. It's not done, because the very next word, thousands, that is Kilios using the final sigma. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please... Know and understand in your heart what I told you really is off the charts, but it really is true. Because Kilios, that alphanumerical uh, equation, and he just gave you the one before it, I said was 144, it is 666. Letting you know who is going to behead those 144,000. That's exactly what Revelation chapter 20 tells you is going to happen. Now, when you put these two together, you're able to see, going back to the parent prophecy, what God has in mind. There are kings that run this planet. They are going to be replaced by the 144,000 in Revelation chapter 7. These stars, the other one being, of course, the beast here mentioned, the beast from the abyss. That beast is an angel, ladies and gentlemen. That is another answer to what is going to be replaced. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the dragon is going to sweep one-third one of the stars out of the heavens, and you think that's going to stand? That's not what God created, isn't it? No, it's not. Surely you know that. Satan is not allowed to alter the heavens, nor the signs therein, nor planet Earth, nor Jupiter, nor nor the twins, Uranus and Neptune. No, ladies and gentlemen, he does not have the authority to do that. So they are replaced. Now you understand what's going on. And let's just take 
a gander at that, shall we? We can just walk right over to Isaiah chapter 24 and verse 21. God already told you this way before you read the book of Revelation. You should already know what his intentions are. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish A, the host of heaven, Revelation chapter 12, on high, and B, Revelation chapter 13, and the kings of the earth, on the earth, they will be gathered together like prisoners in a dungeon, and will be confined in prison. And after many days, let me ask Brian, Brian, after how many days are they going to be punished? We've got 10 days prison. Uh... No, Brian. 1,260 days. Well, that's what I figured. My next answer was going to be 42 months, which is the same thing. Right. So now you know why, ladies and gentlemen, why Revelation chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 13 gave you all those numbers, and it gave it to you three ways. So that's why. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 22 is there. You know how many days. You already know. So, with that in mind, this is true replacement theology. This is true replacement theology. It's got nothing to do with the Jews. It's got nothing to do with the Christians. The host in heaven that administers this planet, they're going to be replaced. They will be replaced by that male child that is numbered in Revelation chapter 14. The kings of the earth are going to be replaced. You already know that. God comes out in Revelation chapter 12 and tells you exactly what they're going to do. They're going to rule and reign with the lion of the tribe of Judah. You know that. They are the kings. No more elections. Well, we've already brought up Jeremiah chapter 8. God makes himself perfectly clear that guess what the beast is going to do if you think you're the president of Georgia or you're the president of Turkey it's not going to cut it no, they don't care about your elections and they never did they want the right to rule that must be proven with what? Well, maybe we ought to go over there and read what's going to be extrapolated out on the whole planet. Now, it is Judah, the one that is mentioned and targeted there. But, ladies and gentlemen, Egypt is the entire planet. So this is what they're going to do, lock, stock, and barrel. So when you just go over to Jeremiah chapter 8, you're going to see exactly what happens. It doesn't matter who your elected officials are. At that time, declares the Lord, that they will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah. Now, let me explain this, why they're doing this. This is the treachery of Judah. Yes, the Jews. We know that they are going to conspire with who? That's right, the Assyrian false prophet. Anyway, let's get back to the verse. At that time, declares the Lord... They will bring out the bones of the kings of Judah and the bones of its princes and the bones of its priests and the bones of its prophets and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem from their graves. 
They will spread them out to the sun, the moon, and to all the host of heaven, which they have. Now, take note of this list. They have loved, and they have served, and which they have gone after, and which they have sought, and which they have worshipped. They will be gathered, buried, as the dung on the face of the ground. And death will be chosen rather than life by all the remnant that remains of this evil family. And now you know how that machination is going to play out. You'll take the mark of the beast, or he lops your head off. So, this is what's really going to happen. You have to prove your right to rule. You have to prove that you're an heir. They don't care about the anointed. That don't work with the host of heaven. They don't even understand such things. Here, let me explain it to you. The host of heaven had a hard time when Absalom was not going to be the king because he was the firstborn son. It's mechanical, ladies and gentlemen. The host of heaven do not think like you think, and it's a good thing, by the way. But you have to understand that they are highly mechanical and analytical. To them, an anointed doesn't, it doesn't compute. You have to come to a reckoning with that. You're going to have to prove that you are from the bloodline of whom the host of heaven wanted to be the king. And you'll take note. What other offices must be proven? What other offices must be proven? Let's look at this in a different way. It says the kings and their what? Their heirs. That's why it says princes. And the priest and the prophets. Now, you'll take note that there's no careers mentioned here. There's no banks or there's no uh, baseball players. No, we get, we get taken back to Genesis the hard way because that's the way the host of heaven wants it. You're either a king or you're a priest or you're a prophet or you're zero. You're zero. So, with that in mind... Ladies and gentlemen, just, just come to grips that God has already explained all of this in high detail, way before we ever got to the book of Revelation. It's just that uh, you didn't realize that what the dragon was doing was an assault on the parent prophecy. That's why you even know that number, 144,000. Even though, like I said, if you were reading it in Greek, you'd really get it, because it's one four four. 666, letting you know what is to come with, well, unfortunately, the group that we call Primus Resurrectorate. They are the firstborn from the dead. They really do refuse the mark of the beast. They really do get their heads cut off, and they really do rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. And guess what they do? I'm going to tell you what they do. The Bible makes itself perfectly clear. They're going to be your kings, and they're going to be your priests, and they're going to be your prophets. And you're going to do what they say, or you're in for a world of hurt. Just one of the things that mentions is that if you don't bring your tithe to Jerusalem every year to present before Christ the King, it's not going to rain. You're going to die. Everything's going to die where you're at. Because they don't care. There's not going to be any bartering with them. 
There's not going to be any debating with them. They are primus resurrectorate, and they have replaced the kings, the priests, and the prophets. And they're not going to take anything from anybody. That's how the bride is safe during this time. She literally has nothing to worry about. So, now that you all know this, that this is all worked out beforehand. This is why Revelation chapter 12 ends with what? Letting you know that, by the way, the rest of her children have to be dealt with. And all of a sudden, now, post six seal event, now all of a sudden, they follow commandments and keep the testimony. So this is true replacement theology. That male child is numbered at 144,000. It replaces the stars in the heavens. And those numbered in Revelation chapter 7 are the rest of her children. And they replace the kings, the priests, and the prophets. That's the way it is. That's the way it was. And that's the way it's going to be. It's not going to be any other way. And that's what's going to keep you safe. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, right now, let's talk about the Muslim countries. Uh, a lot of people think that they are very extreme in some of the things they do. And make no mistakes about it, they are. Because if you get caught stealing, they lop your hand off. Oh, you're going to wish for that. You need to understand that Primus Resurrexorit <laughs> will be exercising under the authority of Christ the King himself. They'll be able to literally do whatever they want. I mean, right now, a lot of these abduct abductees think they've been tortured. Oh, I don't think you really have a clue. I mean, it should be understood that the host of heaven are so very analytical and methodical that they use a great swath of restraint. Primus Resurrectorate, don't even hope for it. They will show you no mercy. None. They've had enough of it. And you know first and foremost what they've had the most of. That's right. What did I already remind you of? Buying and selling. That's what they're going to have the absolute most of, is that. So, don't think about it. <laughs> so, with that in mind, let's get Brian's comments. All right, sorry. I was up grabbing water. Well, a couple of things here to point out. Uh, also, to take note of the mark, um, you know, there's the other infamous thing running around right now that this... Uh, these chips that they're making and placing into people is going to somehow be the mark. And I'd always put it simple years back. Well, first you have to have a beast. But secondly, at that point in history, they're not going to be able to use computerized chips. Well, how are we going to have electricity, folks? I mean, it describes time and time again, why does it say that they're using bows and arrows? Why doesn't it say something different that would represent something else. So that's not going to be in the equation. Well, let's bring this up. 
buildings are not going to be in the equation. We already discussed that with the temple. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I just talked with a brother last night. He wanted me to explain to him this riddle. I explained to him the riddle. Well, I explained to him the Greek first that parallax is going to come undone in this event. That's what the Greek says. The best way, the easiest way for you to see this is to read Mark chapter 13. No one understand this. He's not talking about the building, ladies and gentlemen. He's talking about the body of Christ. He's talking to the disciples. He's saying that you're the stones. And he's saying this is the whole purpose why it brings up the simple fact that father will betray brother, uh, brother, brother, family members, family members. All your superstructure during this time is going to come undone. It doesn't matter if it's your sister or your – that's not going to cut it. All of those buildings will come down. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The only family you will have from that point forward are other Christians. Now, it's going to really upset some of you, since how I aforementioned that some of them might be short or fat or white or yellow, or red, or whatever other color you can come up with. And at present moment, you show high prejudice against those people. But this is literally the case, ladies and gentlemen. You've already been told in the book of Revelation about the measuring of the temple. We went to great lengths to give that to you. Maybe, you know, a refresher uh, might be in order even though we can't spend any great deal of length of time on it. But you have to come to a reckoning of what's going on. It's the whole diatribe with the, uh, well, the two witnesses. I've talked about this at length before. I'm sure that you all remember me mentioning this, but let's take a look at it. Then there was given me a measuring rod like a staff. And someone said, get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship in it. Take note. The measurements are never given. It's never given. It's never given. So, ladies and gentlemen, you should know by now. I mean, he come out and told you that it's the number of a man. My son and I have been doing extensive work in the background about these measurements with the fallen. And once I tripped him on the simple fact that it's talking about volume, not height, then he was really excited. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm sorry it's not going to be any form of electronic thing. But I think I've given you enough to figure out what the Bible's alluding to. It's going to give you your measurements, ladies and gentlemen. You know, women hate that when you quote their size. And it's always three sizes, right? It's like 28, 48, 38 or something. And I really don't exp I, I really don't understand it. I, I think Rich explained to me that the first number is the breast, and the second number is the waist, and the third number is the hips, maybe? But anyway, this is... Look, and this is just not exclusive to the West. This is all over the planet. A measurements of a person is three diameter. It's or three dimensional. It's your your chest and your uh, waist and your hips. I mean, it reminds me of when 
uh, I had to go participate in my brother's wedding. Uh, literally, they did that thing. They 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 put the the tape measure around me, those those cloth tape measures, and measured me. So, ladies and gentlemen, there's not going to be an electronics working. I assure you. You know the Carrington event, right? All of you conspiracy theorists know about the Carrington event. Oh, you ain't seen nothing till you've seen the Lord your God. Because we have no instrumentation on this planet that can measure the terawatts he's going to deliver to the core of this planet. But he is going to. And he doesn't stop there. After he delivers it, he kicks this planet off its 23.4 degree axis. I mean, that that's really just the beginning of things. But I think I've stated enough that people should be able to figure out uh, exactly what um, the beast wants, what numbers he wants. I mean, he come right out and told you he, he wants your dimensions. But anyway, uh, it facilitates the entertainment industry way better to say that it's something else. Brian, your comments. Well, you just pretty much covered the extent to what I said there. And we still haven't talked about this image of the beast. That they should make this image live. Well, you, you have the mic. Uh, we've talked about that many times. Uh, we might as well we might as well give a brief overview. I've given several overviews of things we talked about, so why don't you take this one? Well, this is quite simply what would be referred to as a golem. And we've spoken about this several times in the past, even when we were doing the uh, shows on the UFO phenomenon and all that stuff going on there with uh, good old Parsons playing around with things he shouldn't have been and attempting to make a golem and all kinds of other uh Odds and ends. But yes, folks, this is something that's been recorded throughout history. There's rabbinical works on the creation of them and all kinds of things. So, you know, they've got, what is it, Prague is where they may have the remains of that one. Yes, and I've been in knee-deep uh, discussions, surprisingly enough even here lately, but over the years, well, over the decades, I've had... Many rabbis approach me about this. Do you think he's going to use that one in the attic of the synagogue at Prague? And they really do believe that – well, of course, I mean they would, Brian, right? Because it's Prague, right? It's where Hitler was, and you can't – and ladies and gentlemen, whenever you talk uh, to a rabbi, you you have to pepper your statements because they, they remember what happened. And uh, they're really emotionally attached, of course, with uh, with the Holocaust. And uh, they firmly believe that it's going to be that golem that uh, they say is in the attic of the synagogue at Prague that he's going to use. Um, which, isochronally speaking, they really do think that Hitler was the Assyrian's henchman. They they really do think that. Now, it's common knowledge that, uh, by the way, Hitler wasn't German. No, he wasn't. No, somebody's lied to you. He wasn't German. And that should get your attention. But they think that he was the Assyrian false prophet's henchman. 
Brian, your your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this in times past. He was from Austria-Hungary, folks, and it definitely, isochronally speaking, his actions and the way he's whipped up nations into a frenzy is something to keep an eye out for, which is something that's had me strongly concerned since uh, going into 2016. So, Well, with that in mind... Boy, we've covered a whole lot here, Brian. We need to go for closing comments because we're well over an hour now. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you need to read this again. But you need to read that parent prophecy first. You need to come to grips with that and then do you a, a, a search on the children of the promise. It's very important that you realize what this rod of iron Christ is going to rule with is all about. And uh, I seriously suggest you go by, according to the scripture.wordpress.com, and look up my axioms, and looked up Sanctus Supplenium page. It will explain it to you, and I have a corrected translation there. Uh, the root is the web Bible. I've been playing with maybe switching over to it because it doesn't have a copyright, and it's a very good translation. Now, I don't like them using the proper name of the Lord my God, so I changed that, but there's one part there that will stand out to you. Um, that word, yeah, it, it can mean tribe. It's also the same exact word used for rod in the other verses that mentioned the rod of iron. So, take you another look of that, and, uh, you know, most importantly, read the Bible. Don't listen to anything about the Bible. Just just start reading the Bible and look. God has already given you all the information. He didn't write it to confuse. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, do you have any idea how much trouble he went through to preserve the text? I mean, he even had to put up with the Masoretes putting in their glosses because they had no idea what he was saying. So they'd write their footnotes in there and filling it with jots and tittles. Do you have any idea? The lengths he went through to preserve the Bible, God's Holy Word. You should spend some time with it. Yes, in English, by all means. Brian and I have always stated this. Just use a translation and not a paraphrase. And I've already mentioned one of them tonight, the NIV. That's not a translation. It never was. That's a paraphrase. It's like a little golden book. It, it really is. It's a storybook. It really is. So, with that in mind... Um, Brian, your closing comments, and then we'll sign off. Well, I guess it's just the simplicity of what you just pointed out. You know, folks, sit down, read it, study it for what it says, start looking at the original languages, and go from there. Get the fiction and the nonsense out of your head. I mean, we had a private discussion before we started this, and... We know somebody here locally going to a Bible study that was told the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, and they didn't even question it. So, you know, folks, block out the nonsense. It's that simple. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, WI2C Radio, signing off. <laughs>